You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, everybody? This is the Clap Your Hands podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports, brought to you by 94 WIP. Brought to you from Arizona today because, Kyle, I'm down here in Phoenix uh, at the Super Bowl. So been a wild week with the Eagles, which, you know, is not exactly a secret to anybody, but a wild week for the Sixers, too. So I'll start by saying, hand up, my fault that there has not been an episode in the last few days. Uh, Blowing it, man. Come on. I know. It's been way, way, uh, way crazier than I expected down here. Uh, Lots of Eagles fans, I will say. There are a lot of Eagles fans down here. So I'm sure we'll get into the Super Bowl a little bit. It feels impossible for me not to talk about it. Even when I like call my wife, I start talking about the chief's offensive line. So I think my brain is pretty like geared into that, but I am really excited to talk about the Sixers in this deadline just to talk about something else, but mostly Kyle, because it seems like people are pretty upset with how everything went down. Yeah. People are mad. You missed your window to uh, just like scream and yell and be upset (laughs) about what the Sixers are doing. I would say I want to talk people off the ledge a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's been my job all year this year is to yeah, you're get much people to, to chill out a little bit. Um, this was about uh, not this specific move they made at the deadline, but this style of move was about what I expected. I mean, I had mm-hmm. Daryl Morey on the record before the deadline basically told people don't expect a big move. Like we don't think we're in the market for a big move. And yeah, you know, you look at what they had available to trade. I, I mean, we could sit here and I could probably criticize what they gave up for what they got back, right? Because, you know, this is probably selling Thibault at lowest possible value, if mm-hmm. I had to say. Um, and then you're also giving up the Hornets pick, which I think is going to be like a borderline first round value this year, right. sending that back to them. So, you know, that's a lot to give up for a guy that, in McDaniels is not super proven. You know, he's a, a good two-way guy. I think there are reasons to believe that he will be better here than Thibault was, mostly because, as Daryl alluded to this morning when we spoke to him at the facility, he might just be able to stay on the floor in the playoffs when Thibault couldn't. I think mm-hmm. he's a more believable shooter. I think the types of shots he's willing and able to take probably mask that he's a better shooter like his percentages suggest this year that he's not a good shooter i think some of that's he's in a bad ecosystem and you know you put him on a team with joel Embiid and james harden and maxi and harris and he's just one of the guys rather than oh i actually have to do a bunch of stuff i think he'll look mm-hmm. a lot better so you know i i think if they can re-sign him to a reasonable deal in the offseason because he is an unrestricted free agent uh, I do think he's a potential long-term guy. In fact, we Daryl said he thinks he can be a potential starter. I think you might want to give him some opportunities down the stretch and some spots just to see what he looks like next to 
all the other guys having a big six nine type athlete on the floor right. with Melton and with Joel, and you know, then you might start building a real defense. But yeah, I mean, it's not inspiring. It's not exciting. And with the team coming off of what I think is one of their more disappointing losses of the year yes. to a really banged up Celtics team, I get it. I I'm not saying that fans should be over the moon and excited about this. I I think. You lose a game like that right before the deadline, there's going to be a lot of anger. I get it. Losing to basically just Jason Tatum and a bunch of role players and not even especially good role players, that stings. And so I think there is a reasonable stance from the fan base that you guys have to prove it to us. This is not a situation where the fans are lining up like, hey, we're we're planning the parade route. It's go out yeah. there and show me something and they really haven't yet, and it's in their hands the next few months to to push that away, I guess. Well, so I definitely have more uh, McDaniels questions, but to me, I think the most interesting question coming off the deadline was, because uh, you're coming off the Celtics loss, and here's all I'll say about that loss. The Celtics did shoot an absurdly high percentage from three, so maybe ultimately you kind but of- But some of that is because the Sixers guarded poorly, right? It was yeah, about fair. poor strategy and they're overhelping. And Tatum shot, I think, five of 15 in that game. Right. And they're yeah, just crowding them and crowding them and crowding them. Yeah, and he made a difference by playmaking and hitting shooters and putting them mm -hmm. in you know swing-swing positions where Boston's making two passes and they get a wide open three. So I, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, but that's no, just, no, that's, I, that's I was bothered by that during the game. Well, I know nothing bothers you worse than bad defense. So I'm sure for <laughs> you, that was a, uh, a frustrating game. But my question more so is, do you think there were moves to be made that they didn't make? Or do you think they didn't seriously explore making ma any type of substantial move because they just don't think they have to? Because I think that's an important distinction. Because when you look at the roster... If you're going to move Maxi, you pretty much have to move Toby with him. You could try to do PJ with him, but realistically, you're probably not getting much. So I kind of viewed it always as unless you're trading Toby and Maxi, I don't really see how you're adding something of value. Now, what was surprising was all the five second round picks trades that happened. I don't know if five yeah. just became the popular number for the day, but they don't have a lot of second round picks. And that falls on Daryl, right? The fact that the tampering thing, like all that stuff. So... I just, what I can't decide on how frustrated to be is should I be frustrated because they didn't want to make a move or is this just, they, they couldn't. And if they can't, I can't sit here that frustrated. I think it's more, they can't. And I, I do think it's important that we trace this back well beyond Daryl. Like Daryl has certainly made his bed in a lot of ways, right? As you mentioned, the, the Tucker and house tampering loses them to second yeah. round picks. Trading three second round picks, really four. They traded a, a fourth fake one, but three real second round picks for George Hill, who sucked in the playoffs and did basically mm -hmm. nothing when he was here in 2021. That takes you like those picks. One of them has already been used was a 2021 pick. Two of those were a 2025 and 2026. So picks that have not come up yet that you don't make that George Hill trade. That's that's potentially you know, now you have yeah. a couple more assets to, you know, see what you can do with those at the deadline. So I think that's important. But, you know, you have to trace this all the way back through drafting Ben Simmons and everything that's happened with Ben Simmons. I don't know, man. I, sorry. No, 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 no. But so, like, think about it, right? Like, obviously, drafting him at the time and he's really good first couple of years, whatever. But they sign 
they go and sign Al Horford and make these moves essentially because Jimmy and Ben were not going to work. And it was made clear by various parties that, you know, if you go back and watch the podcast Jimmy Butler did with JJ Redick about his time mm-hmm. here, where he says, you know, some guys are not about winning and doing what it takes. They're about the lifestyle and right. cars and women. And I'm like, very clear Ben Simmons <laughs> slander yeah. happening there. Not slander because it seems like that's accurate now. But right. so because of that, the backup plan or the, the plan they fall into is Al Horford. That's largely now some of that is to have a good backup behind Joel, but it's also because Ben needs a specific type of player. Now, obviously that doesn't work out. So then mm-hmm. Daryl comes. Now Daryl's in charge of the team. Daryl, one of his very first moves is he has to move Al Horford, who in the year since has been good in Boston in a situation that makes sense for him. But they had to basically light a first-round pick on fire that yep. they can't trade now because of Ben Simmons and that not working and everything else that's going on there. So that happens. Then the whole Ben thing happens where his brain falls apart and he can't play basketball correctly anymore. And you trade him for Harden. Now, they wanted to trade for Harden before all that, but you're giving up another two first-round picks. because the, So the big decisions lead to a lot of smaller decisions that add up over time, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying well, that like Ben Simmons is the reason they don't have all these picks, but like there are a lot of, just from that decision, there is a like flow chart that comes down yeah. out of that. And I would say half of those, at least, were not even touched by Daryl. It's like Daryl arrives here and he's got 30 whatever million dollars tied up in Tobias Harris. And then Ben Simmons now, like, I think people don't realize who are really mad about where they're at. They could also have Ben Simmons on the single worst contract in the league on the team, or they could have traded him for multiple role players. And instead they have a guy who's playing at an all-star level who looks great next to Joel Embiid is a thing that I think everyone needs to remember. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I think those are, are fair points. My only counter would be, like, how long does Daryl get to live off of the he walked into a not great situation? This is what now? Oh, He's I'm not 30. saying it's right. – I agree with you. It's This is not – he doesn't have unlimited rope and just, yeah. can just say, well, I can't do this. My hands are tied. Well, your job is to make stuff happen. Right, I and th- I think that's that's always kind of been my thing with Daryl since he's gotten here. And it's not that look, he drafted Maxi. That was a great a great pick. He uh, traded for uh, Melton. That was a great trade. He got Harden out of Ben. I mean, you could argue maybe he held on to Ben too long, but ultimately he got Harden. So it is what it is. But I just I don't know. Like I don't see a ton of special moves that come out of absolutely nowhere. Right, like you see all these teams and I I can't speak to who was available around the league, but you see other teams making trades and it is somewhat frustrating that they weren't able to get anything done. I personally still fall in the belief of like, they're still one of the best teams in the East. They still have a legit chance to win the title. This isn't like past deadlines where they had to move and get somebody. They had to go get a Jimmy Butler. They had to trade Ben because of Harden. They didn't really have to do anything. It's just disappointing. They didn't do anything. Yeah. I'm, 
I would say the Seth Curry move was obviously an inspired move. Trading Josh Richardson for him is a big deal. Like that, every year there's been some sort of, oh wow, that was a really good pickup. Like there's a, there's a non-zero chance that they traded Danny Green and the twenty. I think it was pick twenty-three last year for Melton, mm-hmm. and they could simply just sign Danny Green as a buyout guy. So that's essentially like you turn a rotation player into two rotation players. That's true. That's That's possible. Like, I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen. I think if I had to guess, Danny probably goes elsewhere now that he's a free agent. But it's not impossible that that could happen. So there are a lot of good moves that have been made. But again, we have to judge them for the the whole picture here. And I still do think they're behind the, the top tier like I, I don't. You can't say, oh, they're as good as Boston is when Boston can beat. Them I agree with yeah. just Jason Tatum. Milwaukee, I think, is a lot more of an argument because they've beaten Milwaukee and they beat Milwaukee with you know not even everybody available. Right now they got Jay year. Crowder. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Jay Crowder is like a huge difference making player, but he's a decent playoff. Yeah, he's a nice pickup guy. for sure. Yeah, so you know we're gonna see how it plays out. Ultimately, all this stuff comes down to. Are Joel Embiid and James Harden good enough to win a title? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you look at Philadelphia's roster and you compared 1 through 10, 1 through 11 with the rest of the league, as a full roster and playoff rotation, they compare really favorably to, you know, most of the other contenders. Like, the Warriors won the title last year and are obviously in a down year this year. The Warriors, like, half the guys they've played this year shouldn't play fucking at all and <laughs> the reason that people still believe in them if they get to a conference finals or a final situation is because steph curry has proven he's a title winning player draymond yeah. Green, title winning player clay thompson so, so on and so forth so a lot of the onus is just on joel and james have to raise their games to a level that up to this point, they have not been able to do to win a title. Like, I, I do think they have enough. Now, whether they have enough, whether they could have more, I should say, is another discussion. Could they have been a, a luxury tax team and had, like, one more rotation guy that they traded for yesterday? Yeah, maybe. Like, I, well, I me, think that's a fair... About that, though. Like, do you think that was even an option? Like, that's what I can't figure out. So they traded well, Thibault... They traded Thibault yeah. for McDaniel. So that piece is gone. Like I, I personally, the tax thing, and we can get into it if, if you want now, the, the taxing doesn't bother me at all. Really. I just truly in my core, of course, don't believe that they made that there was a move they thought would really improve the team and they did not make it because of the tax. And so like for that perspective, you're going to swap guys out that are basically the same slash McDaniels, maybe a little better. And it gets you under the tax. I don't know. I think people get so wrapped up in the idea of saving Josh Harris money. Josh Harris has spent a lot of money on this team. Spending has not been an issue for Josh Harris. So I just think there weren't moves to be made as opposed to the tax prevented them from making moves. Well, so if you want to say they should have made another trade, if you look at the contracts, they have to move, right? If we assume that they couldn't move somebody else in that McDaniels deal and get it done. Mm-hmm. Cork Maz has no value. He's not somebody right. that you're, he's a contract and he's got another year on his contract on top of that. And if you look at some of the trades that were made yesterday, there were guys who were making, I want to say like $3 million who were salary dumped that they got multiple second round picks attached to them just mm-hmm. to get off those salaries. So if you're talking about taking 
Furkan's five million dollars, and maybe Jaden Springer and his two point whatever million dollars. To get an actually useful player back for that, you're gonna have to give up one of those like four or five second round pick type. Yeah, and they don't have it right? just to get somebody like that, like a Sadiq Bay, for example, in Detroit. Like, I don't think he's very good. I think he had a good right. rookie season and then it's been bad since. He's in a bad ecosystem. So, you know, maybe he'll be okay playing in Atlanta next to Trey Young. But you know, that's the sort of example of what happens. Like, I I don't know that there was another move to be made. It's you had two things that were valuable. You had Thibel and that second round pick from Charlotte, essentially. Well, Charlotte, Atlanta, Brooklyn, but it's almost mm-hmm. certainly going to be whatever, right? Charlotte. So those are the two things you have to move. You move them in one trade. That's it. You're done. Like unless you're moving the 2029 first, which that would take at this point, you need to get a sizable upgrade. I mean, mm-hmm. who are you trading for? The guys who didn't move yesterday are the Toronto guys, right? Like OG Ananobi, we talked about a lot. Yeah. There's reports out there that they got offered three first round picks and turned them down. Like if that level of player is they're turning down offers for three first round picks, who the hell are you expecting them to get with the the salaries and the assets that they have? Right. And well, that's the thing too. If like let's say they even were opening to moving Melton, like he's a valuable asset. But the tough thing is, what are you packaging him and upgrading with, right? Like, let's say you maybe package him with Maxi, but then you're only still at $10 million or whatever. I don't know, 10 or $11 million, whatever you're at. You're not at a, a massive amount, and you're losing two of your best players going into it. Now, the other question is, do you think there was a major move to be made and they just didn't want to do it? Like, like do, if they wanted to package Toby and Maxi, do you think they could have turned that into Zach Levine or OG? I mean, do you think that was available and they didn't want to, or do you think they, that just wasn't even on the table? I mean, I, it was not available as far as I know. I mean, right. look, Toronto had tons of conversations around the league and ultimately their big move was actually bringing in someone to upgrade the team. <laughs> I know it's just get funny. Yeah. Jakob Pertl. So you were going to have to blow them away. They were not going to take a uh, Tobias trade with picks. Like that's not mm-hmm. going to happen. It was going to be a maxi trade. And well, maxi and Tobias, we talked about how they're, right. they're interconnected. So that wasn't happening. I think there was a little more smoke with regards to Levine. And now that they have uh, McDaniels in here, like let's assume that he can be a true, you know, three and D type wing over the long yeah. term. And he shot thirty. Um, he shot thirty eight percent last year. I'm not. I'm mistaken. a little more open to the idea of somebody like a Levine if you have that guy who's just like the eight to ten million dollar starter mm-hmm. wing in that spot instead of Tobias. So you know, maybe you could talk me into that, and then. I, there, I believe there was some smoke coming out of Chicago that Levine and Billy Donovan are like at odds. And not only are they at odds, but the rest of the team is actually in Donovan's corner. I don't remember <laughs> where I saw that yesterday, which right. is a really weird thing for, you know, he's the star of the team. And yeah. so if everybody else is taking the coach's side, that feels like a uh, a red flag. Yes, um, I would say Especially when your teammates are agreeing with like essentially your boss. That's probably <laughs> probably not a good yeah, idea. So that would that would put me off a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't think that there was obviously there were a bunch of the KD trade, the Kyrie trade, all these big trades made. Right. The type of player that the Sixers were going to be able to get, 
I don't think there was anybody really out there that I could say, oh yeah, that was the big fish that they could have gotten or that they were actively, you know, after. So this is hypothetical because we don't know, especially me, but we we don't know like what was available, what wasn't all these things. What would you have done? Like if you were in Daryl's position, would you have just kind of did what he did, turned turned Thibel into what he did? Would you have tried would you have been more aggressive in trying to trade Maxi and Toby? Like what would you have done? I would have tried to get a fucking backup center. As well. Okay, so I probably tried to do. Next. Yeah, and I know they they did try. I think part of the problem is that Chicago doesn't seem like they want to give up Andre Drummond. They're mm-hmm. they're a weird franchise. They're one of those franchises at this point that they're sort of happy being a playoff. They're like the the pre-process Sixers with Ed Snyder running the team. It's like, oh yeah, right. they're making the playoffs. Who cares? Whatever. Just yeah. Just go do whatever in your corner of the arena. And I think Chicago is sort of in that that range where they're like bottom of the playoff picture, potential play-in team. And the Bulls are just sort of happy with that. And if Drummond helps them toward that goal, they're going to set way too high a price to get him. So I do think they were kicking the tires on on players like him. I know they asked about Nerlens Noel in Detroit, but he might end up being a, a buyout guy because the Pistons traded for James Wiseman yesterday. And from mm-hmm. the sound of things, this is really stupid, I think, but they're going to start him. So between <laughs> him and Jalen Duran, like that's two different young developing centers that are going to play. So right. I, I would think Nerlens gets bought out and then you end up in a spot where maybe you just outright sign the guy who you were going to try to make a trade for. I, so, I think yeah, to, to get back to your question, I think what what I would have tried to do differently is trade Thibel in, you know, the center move, let's say, and then you just trade that very valuable Charlotte pick for McDaniels. Like you, there's a mm-hmm. world where I think you can do both at the same time. And I, especially because I know Chicago really values Thibel. Now, whether right. Thibel for Drummond makes any sense on paper or there's picks going Either way, whatever. But I think you could have done a three-way deal there if Chicago is open to the idea of moving Drummond where you can get two guys who are going to help your team rather than one. But you know, we'll see you, how it takes out. Do you think the deadline was a disappointment? I, not really, but th- that's because I talked to Daryl on the record and he basically <laughs> said, like, this is what's coming. Right. I mean, I wasn't coming in thinking, oh, man, this is maxi deals coming and they're getting OG or they're getting a starter level wing. It was, look, we're going to make a, I don't even, I use the word side grade instead of upgrade. And I think that's essentially what they did. Like, I don't think, I don't think McDaniels is straight up better, or I think he's a worse defender. If you were to ask me there, how much he's a, well, they're different in the sense that he's a, he's going to defend the like, Jason Tatum's and Jalen Brown's like he's a legit six nine like power forward sized player. Okay, but yeah. more of like a modern wing, like not a power. He's power forward size, but he's a a yeah. true like modern wing. Whereas Thibel is chasing around, you know, Trey Young and Darius Garland and all kinds mm-hmm. of smaller, quicker guards, whatever. So that's going to change their lineups a little bit. Um, I, I think Thibel at his best is a better defender, creates more havoc, all that. But uh, McDaniels will be a better weak side rim protector. He'll do some stuff that that Thibault couldn't. And I, I cannot under I can't overstate 
how much better of an offensive player he is. Like he can actually dribble the basketball, which is a mm-hmm. you know, that's a, like yeah. one Important third have, of yeah. playing basketball on offense. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he can, you know, if he, for example, on a play where Matisse gets a steal around the top of the, the three-point arc, he cannot dribble to score on the other end. Whereas mm-hmm. McDaniels, if he gets a ball in transition, can you know body someone off, like shield them off and finish over them. I think he's a, a guy who can shoot coming off of screens a little bit. I don't think they're going to ask him to do that a lot. I think he'll spend a lot of time just you stand in the corner and James is going to find you and you shoot. But mm-hmm. if he needs to attack a closeout, he can be a good, you know, straight line driver. Again, he's big and long and athletic, so he can dunk or, or make some layups in traffic that Thibault probably can't. I mean, he's scoring on a team that has basically nobody, I think like 10, 11 points a game in Charlotte. Yeah. And you know, some of that's like somebody has to score, so it's a little inflated. But it is a reflection of – I was talking to somebody earlier. I think one of the differences is – if you were to put Matisse Thibault in a G League game, for example, his defense would obviously pop, but he would not look any different than a bunch of guys who are never going to make the league, basically. Right. They're, they're wholly dependent on somebody else. You put Jalen McDaniels in a G League game, he could score like 30 points. Like, well, I love just that. Just go out there and it's just... Now, he, again, he's not a scorer. Like, you're not going to ask him to do that stuff. I think he's just... has He has enough talent and skill... That if you put him in that sort of environment with like quad A type players, he would dominate that sort of game. And so that gives him a little bit more utility on offense where Thibault, if he doesn't make a shot, you're fucked. Like he doesn't do anything. Yeah, he doesn't else. do anything else. Yeah. McDaniels, if he doesn't, you can at least ask him to do some like, all right, I'm gonna beat a closeout, or I can be a you stick him in the dunker spot. He's just a a bigger dude than Thibault, so you can use him as a a lob threat and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like I the do think spot. he's a love hearing about the dunker spot. <laughs> listen, man, it'll never end here. <laughs> yeah. But so I, I think he is a good player, potentially intriguing long-term guy. There's a reason he's was a second round pick and, you know, it's available at the deadline for right. not a whole lot. So we'll see. So but I, I think he's good. The last question I have for you before we unfortunately have to wrap this up and maybe we'll try to get another one in tomorrow. Who knows? I don't know what your schedule is like, but it kind of changes. Today is like the last day of craziness before obviously the the, the actual game. The big but one. The big one. Yeah. Um, so the backup center, you touched on it a little bit, but I think that's the main concern people have. Um, I mean, is it a safe to assume they're going to add someone through buyout, but also I guess my thing would be if they're, if doc's just going to play who he wants and he's just going to play Montrez Harrell, or he's going to play PJ at the five, then does it even really matter if they add one? Like they can trade for one or sign one or whatever, but if Doc's just going to do what he wants and it's either going to be Harold or, or PJ, is there a big, does it even matter if they add one? So I tweeted this yesterday. My stance is they should sign whoever the best guy is they can get. I don't care if it's a center. I don't care if it's a guard. I don't care if okay. it's a wing. Anybody who's going to be available on the buyout market is flawed in one way or another. So Whoever the best player, if it's Will Barton, is probably the number one guy for me right now. Just mm-hmm. got bought out in, uh, or is going to get bought out in Washington. Was a part of the Nuggets for years. Has been yeah, kind of, you know, him, yeah. he's been kind of stuck in DC this year. He wasn't. He's getting some DNPs, but he's just a, a guy who's a more of an instant offense, six six type wing off the bench. He has some good defensive moments and some bad defensive moments. Mm-hmm. So he 
fit right in with uh, yeah, well, that's what the bench I they have on this team. <laughs> yeah, but I'd rather you know bring him in or bring Danny Green in if they can get him than like you know Dwayne Dedman who's right just to add a center to add a Serge Ibaka who's washed. Like right. there are all these guys who are going to be available. You know, maybe you could talk me into Nerland Snowell because I do think he's like again, he's not very good. There's a reason that yeah. he's in Detroit and not playing and whatever. <laughs> and but he's cut. at least yeah. he's young and athletic enough that I'm not gonna put him in a game like Paul Millsap or DeAndre Jordan and be like, Man, this guy just can't move. Like that's I mean, that's what you don't want. Paul Reed. He's better than Paul Reed. Like he's a okay. he's had years and years of like he's got experience. Good, good defensive results. Like he's a limited offensive player. He's got bad hands. I don't know that James could even you now James will get him some easy dunks, but he's got bad hands in traffic. So they're gonna be some turnovers where nice, know, nice, nice hits him right here and bounces yeah. right here. <laughs> but he's a legit rim protector. He's bigger and longer than Trez and Paul. So He's he would get worked by like a quote unquote real center or whatever if that's who they had him guard. We need but, six minutes from him or whatever. But I like I just think most of these options, other than Nerlens and even he's debatable, are worse than just playing PJ Tucker at five in the playoffs. Yeah, like, you think up. that you've said a few times you think that's what they're gonna do. That when they signed him, they talked about it a lot. They did it early in the season. You know, I'm skeptical that doc will go away from trez because yeah it is trez and you know all the hang-ups <laughs> that he has there but i just i tend to believe that's where they're gonna go and so in that case get will barton get danny green hell get like reggie jackson or one of these guys that's gonna shake loose and mm-hmm. you know see what you can do with that like don't bring in serge abaca who can't move and left a, another contender left milwaukee because he can't play anymore it's right a waste right of time. so so that wasn't my last question. This will be my last question. And then we do have to wrap it up. But yeah. that's what you would do. Do you think it's just they're going to add a center? Like, you think that's just what they're going to do? Or do you think they will actually just sign the best player they can get? Well, because I think there's a possibility Doc just sticks with Trez, I, I think Daryl could say, all right, well, if he's not going to, if it's going to be a debate or he's going to play Trez regardless and I, I can't influence it in any way, why don't I just sign a wing and somebody that I know, like, Right. If you sign Will Barton tomorrow, you know he can play in the playoffs. You sign Danny Green tomorrow, he's old and coming off an injury, whatever, you know he can play in the playoffs. He will make shots. He will stand in the corner and wait for James Harden. You sign Serge Ibaka, there's a good chance that he's just as bad as Trez is, mm-hmm. and it's a total waste of a roster spot. Now, but do you think Daryl disagrees with Doc about Trez? I feel like sometimes all the backup center blame goes to Doc. It's like, well, Doc's not going to play him. I mean, Daryl's the GM too. And I know, I I guess you could speak to who has final, final say on the roster. But ultimately, I mean, Daryl hasn't added anybody of significance at backup center either. And I know he's talked up Montrez Harrell too. So do you think he disagrees with Doc on Montrez? Or do you think he just is fine with him playing him? I think he knows they need somebody else. I, I do. I, what I would criticize Daryl for is giving Montrez a player option, which is part of why you can't cut him and just say, yeah, it's true. screw yeah. you, Doc. You're not playing this guy. So that is a big factor that plays into this. So they're both culpable. I, I blame Doc more because this is the hill he died on, you know, three years ago in the bubble. It's the reason he got fired in LA is that Trez got torched absolutely torched in the playoffs and they gave up a 3-1 lead against the nuggets and you know 
that's the end of his tenure there. So yep. the fact that he can't recognize what he needs to do or how he needs to shift the team is on him. Daryl owns his part of it, but it's why I would just say get another good playoff caliber player. I don't care what position it's at. I agree. And I actually think there's an argument to be made that they need more of the Will Barton like athletic type guy than they need a backup center. I think they look so slow sometimes that you could convince me that's a bigger need than a center, but this is definitely something we will get into, uh, you know, in the next episode, I'm going to, I'll try to do one if I can, or if you can, I shouldn't speak for your schedule, but you know, before, uh, before the Super Bowl, but if not, hopefully there's a parade we have to worry about with scheduling and, uh, should be a wild few days in Philly sports. 34, 24 Eagles. That's my uh, that's your prediction. prediction. All right. We got the yeah. Kyle official prediction. So I'm going to pick, I'm going to end up picking the Eagles. I'm truly 50-50 on it, but I would be very surprised if they won by 10. But this team has surprised people all year. So at least we have the official Kyle prediction now for the uh, for the game. So, all right, thank you to everybody that tuned in and listened. Truly uh, means a lot to us that you took the time to do it. Shout out to uh, James and MPC Smith for being in the chat and putting a little something in there. So we will be back. We'll talk more about the trade deadline. I want to talk a little bit about more, more about McDaniels than we did. And uh, – Kyle, I'll talk to you next on the next episode, man. Go birds, baby. There it is. <laughs>